Jesus, we come to give you the glory this morning on this beautiful day that you have created and allowed us to come, some present, some from home, to worship you, the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the great Redeemer and Restorer of our lives. Come among us in a mighty way, I pray, as we continue to worship you. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit that we would be sensitive to the things that you are showing us this morning. Through it all, open our eyes to see how high and wide and deep is your love. Pray that you come minister to every person this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Well, you may know the story, but it had been quite an adventure for Sam and Frodo a story they never imagined living. (laughs) These two hobbits from the Lord of the Rings find themselves in a story filled with adventure, with wonder, with fights against good and evil, darkness and light, highs they never experienced to, to, uh, to see and lows they never imagined experiencing, a story they never dreamed of. Then we come to that great epic scene where Sam and Frodo are are talking about the story that they've experienced and been a part of so far, and Sam says these words to Frodo, I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into. I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into. These two hobbits found themselves ushered into a larger story than they ever imagined, and they saw a role that they had to play in that story. I wonder if you've ever asked the question, I wonder what sort of tale I have fallen into. I want you to see this morning as as we unpack this, this passage that Dustin read from the book of Exodus, it's a picture for you and me that there is a larger story. There's a much larger story that many of us are probably aware of, and, and we have a part to play. Every single follower of Jesus has a unique part to play in this grand story. Perhaps you've asked yourself these questions before as you've been trying to find out, what is my role? What is my place here? God, why am I here? What are you wanting to do through me? A lot of questions that we can ask, and especially in this, these last six, seven months, a lot of us have had more time to think and reflect on, one, is there a larger story and what is my role in it? Here's what we're going to look at this morning. God has invited you and me, ordinary people, look around, ordinary people to play a role in His mission, His glorious mission to repair, to redeem, to restore the brokenness of lives and the brokenness of this world. Every person has a part to play. And there's two things we're going to look at from this passage this morning. First is an invitation, secondly is a question. So when you think about, God, what is this role that you've called me to play? What is is my part? How do I join in? There's an invitation and a question that we find before us this morning. So first, the invitation. God comes to Moses. Now let me refresh your memory. Where we are in this scene, God had just appeared to Moses, who had been out in the wilderness for 40 years as a shepherd. And so all of a sudden, Moses sees this bush that is ablaze with fire, but it wasn't consumed. And as he came near, he heard God speak to him out of the bush. 
And here's one of the things that God said to him. It's in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. God said to Moses, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now remember, they'd been enslaved for over 400 years, and now God has come with an invitation to Moses. <laughs> Quite a large invitation, isn't it? Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God just gave Moses this invitation to come along and be a part of this unfolding story of redemption. And I want you to see with this invitation that he gives to Moses, it's the same invitation that God gives to you and me. If you remember that I told you as we started this series a number of weeks ago, this story of Exodus being the second book in the Bible written thousands of years ago, it's not just a historical book. It's alive and active. And what we find in this story, as I said, the Exodus story becomes our story as well. And so as you read this, as you listen, as you follow along in the weeks ahead, ask yourself, how do I see my story as a part of this Exodus, or how is that story a part of mine? And here's what we need to see. It has been God's plan since the very beginning to use ordinary people to accomplish His plan. I want to say that again because it gives insight into this incredible story of redemption that we have a part to play, that from the very beginning, God has chosen to use ordinary people, people like Moses. This, he was a shepherd for 40 years. People like David, Ruth, Hannah, Daniel, Jonah. The list can go on and on. And then you fast forward to the New Testament, and you see people who were fishermen, Simon and Andrew, James and John, that when Jesus came to them, he brought an invitation, the same type of invitation, come. It's the invitation to come. Join me in what I'm doing. Join me as I am unfolding this glorious story of redemption. We read in Mark's gospel that Jesus said these words to these four. He said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You want to know a calling for your life? <laughs> it's the invitation that God says, come, and I will make you fishers of men. <laughs> I've got something for you that I'm going to be using you to work out my plan and my will for those around you, what I am doing as I'm unfolding this plan before you. That God would actually use ordinary people like you and me to be his voice to be his hands and feet, or, or as Paul describes it in one of his letters, that we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ, making him known. He is making his appeal through us. It's that call that Dustin read in the gospel a moment ago when Jesus said at the end of Matthew's gospel, go and do what? Go and make disciples. What that means is, as we go and make disciples, first, we are seeing ourselves as disciples. And a disciple is one who follows another. And we follow in this invitation to come and follow Jesus, that we would, through relationships that God brings us in this community, bring others along to come and know His glory and His grace and His majesty. You see, I think what we need today is a grander vision than most of us have 
So often we can find ourselves living in this little world, but maybe like Sam and like Frodo, we need to see that we are actually a part of a much greater tale than we ever imagined. That you and I get to join in God's work of renewal and restoration of this world. You see, God has called us to come and follow Him and be a part. So let me ask you this question. Where has God been calling you to join in what he is doing? Where has he been calling you? What has God put before you? That there's an invitation to come and follow. What does this invitation look like in your vocation, in your school, with your friends, with your family? What is that invitation to come and follow and be about what he's given you to do? You know, for some, it might be an invitation where God is calling you up into a leadership position. God is calling you to be a leader. Maybe for others, it's, it's God is calling you with people around you to share the gospel, to truly be a herald of the gospel who comes alongside others. Maybe you're being called to lead a community group, a discipleship group. Maybe you're being called to lead someone through the Scriptures that they would come to know through your role who God is. There's a host of things. I don't know what God might be calling you to, but we've got to ask the question, God, what's the invitation that you have put before me? Now, I need to name this. So with an invitation, there's always a response, isn't there? And what we find here is with this invitation that God gave Moses, he responded with a question. You know, it's a question that often we say, hold on, you've invited me to do this, I don't know, and so we kind of move away, right, from that. Or, or maybe you've been invited to do something from the Lord with a person or in a specific area, and it's kind of like an invitation you've received for a party. We put ours on our refrigerator. Some of them go on the front, some of them go on the side. I don't know why, but if they go on the side, for me at least, it becomes out of sight, out of mind. I've gotten in the invitation, but I've never responded. Well, in a sense, Moses is, is doing this. Oh, he's responding to the invitation, but he's responding with a question. You know what the question is? It's in verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? I think it's a question that we all ask ourselves at times. Who am I? Who am I that I should go? Who am I that I should do that? I think often we, we reframe that question that Moses asked. Instead of saying, who am I that I should go, we bring the question, do I have what it takes? I think that's what Moses is getting at here. Do I have what it takes? Listen, ladies, I believe this is probably true for you, but I'll tell you it's very true for men. So many men that I talk to have that question. And it resonates when you say, they've asked the question, do I have what it takes? Maybe you haven't verbally said it to someone else, but you sure have thought it. And you see, that's the question that keeps us from entering into whatever invitation God places before us. So let me ask you this. Can you think of a time when God brought an invitation to you and you responded with a question, who am I? <laughs> or do I have what it takes and not done it? 
I think we could all name times and seasons in our lives where we've responded that way. I want to bring you back to Moses for a minute. Now, remember this story. Remember his life. Moses had been schooled with the best education that Egypt had to offer. I mean, whatever degree, I'm sure he had them by his name. Because he lived in the house of Pharaoh, so he would have had the best education of probably anyone around. And then Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness of Midian being a shepherd. So as a shepherd, he was learning to care and to protect. But yet God still comes and says, I bring an invitation, come. You're the one who's going to lead my people out of Egypt. Now in this, like you and me, Moses, I think, became keenly aware of his inadequacies. And I would gather for some of you, God has made a call on you, has asked you to do something, put an invitation, and you've become all of a sudden so aware of your inadequacies that you say, who am I? You know, and, and you don't do it. A lot of times when we get to that place and we become consumed with our inadequacies, what happens is this, it goes to that next level and we become preoccupied with ourselves. Instead of looking outward, instead of looking upward to what God is doing and how He's wanting to use us, we become inward-focused, seeing our inadequacies and becoming preoccupied with ourselves, not entering into what God's put before us. You see, so many of us, I think, miss out on, on stepping into invitations that God has put before us because we become so focused on us instead of God. Instead of God who, is, who tells us who He is and how He is with us. So I'd ask this again just for you to think for a moment. How many times have you responded, maybe even lately, with who am I that I should go? Or got caught up in those thoughts, I don't have what it takes. You see, what we see in this passage is this. God doesn't call us to a task because we're the most competent. God doesn't call us to the task because of the resume that we have. Notice what God did not say to Moses when Moses questioned, who am I to go? God didn't say, oh, Moses, wait a minute, pull that resume out of the drawer. Remember all the things that you've done? Remember this education that you have? All of this shows you can do it. No, he doesn't do that at all. Do you know what God's response is? Basically, Moses is saying, I'm not up for the job. But God says, I know. I am. The response he gave to Moses is the response that we need to hear, and I would say we need to hear with a period or an exclamation point, and it's this. God said in verse 12, but I will be with you. But I will be with you. Do you have what it takes to do what God has put before you? Can I tell you the answer, humanly speaking, is no. We may think that we do, but we don't on the things that God's calling us to. You may be very competent in your vocation and in so many other things in life, but when God calls you up to a calling, to whatever it might be, the answer is, do I have what it takes? No, but you do. And that's what you and I need to see. God says these words, I will be with you. And all the objections that Moses said, but I, but I don't speak well. <laughs> and we don't know what that all looked like, but, but he had all these objections. And I love it in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 12, um, God said, 
Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you should speak. Friends, you know what? You and I need to know. God says, I will be with you. God is enough, period. We think that we've got to have all this other stuff. No, I will say God is enough. What we see in this passage is that Moses was insufficient for the task, but God was sufficient. And friends, that's the story that that we see uh, unfolding page after page in God's Word. It's he takes ordinary people like you and me who are not sufficient for the task. Take David or Jonah or Hannah. And then look at the the 12 apostles. Do you think they were up for the task? No. But God takes ordinary people like you and and me, and he says, I am enough. You know, we all go through times of self-doubt, don't we? We all go through times where we bring our question, do, we, do I have what it takes? Listen, when you go down that road with God, that road that as you look ahead, it is an unknown path, but God's pushing you down that path, and you ask, do I have what it takes? All you need to know is this, God is with you. When you, God brings an opportunity to you that, where he's calling you to really share the gospel with someone else, and you think, I don't know enough. Get somebody else to do it. What you need to know is God is with you. When God has placed you in a position where you feel overwhelmed, I mean, maybe it's your vocation, maybe it's at school, who knows where. All you need to know are those words that God said, I will be with you. When the battle of self-doubt rages stronger and stronger in your mind, Come back to this passage that God responded to Moses by saying, I am with you. I will be with you. Friends, you hear me say it often from this pulpit. God is the I am with you God. Whatever he puts before us on our path, we can go for it with boldness and strength and confidence. Why? Not because of our resume, but because of the God who is with us. He is the one who leads us. And we can trust him in every way. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans 8, 31 and 32. He wrote, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Did you hear what Paul said? (laughs) He who did not spare his son, I want you to think about this. The same God who was with Moses in that wilderness that day, saying that you're going to be the one to lead my people out, and he did. This is the same God who was with Moses. The same God who heard our cries for help because of the bondage that that we find ourselves in because of sin, with chains around us. He's the same God who heard our cry And he came near by sending his son. He came among us by sending his son. And then it goes beyond that, friends. He is the same God who when his son died on the cross for you and me to break the chains of hell, to break us free, to set captives free. He's the same God 
when his son was in the grave, rose him from the grave. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, gave us his spirit to be with us. So I want you to see the narrative. God was with Moses. God came and was with us in our need for a redeemer. And Jesus came, the second person of the Trinity. And now we see the third person of the Trinity living within us. You wonder if God is close? Listen to what Jesus said in John 14, verses 16 and 17. Speaking to his disciples, and this is soon before he was going to be taken off to the cross, Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, because he had said I'm going to be leaving. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. Then Jesus said, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Those are incredible words. God telling Moses, I will be with you. Friends, now he's saying, I'm not just going to be with you. I am going to be in you. Now, what difference would that make in your life if you really knew as a follower of Jesus that you have the spirit of the living God alive in you? Friends, that is resurrection power. The gates of hell can't go against that anymore because Jesus won the battle. So I want you to see the connection. Whatever God calls you to, whatever invitation he brings you, remember the spirit of the living God is alive in you. That is not only a power, but a presence of God who leads us in everything. I'll wrap it up with this. You all know, many of you do, the, the life of the Apostle Paul. He was Saul before his name was changed. And when Jesus appeared to him, there was such a radical transformation that he lived his life, instead of persecuting followers of Jesus, he lived his life with a message of the hope of the redeeming grace of Christ. And this man that you would think, I mean, he had an amazing resume, all the, the, the kind of Jew that he was, it was amazing how schooled and, and, and how learned this man was. But yet, listen to what he communicates as he's, as he's talking about sharing the gospel with people. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5. And I, this is Paul speaking, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul named his weakness. He didn't let that get in the way because he knew in the midst of his weakness the power of God was so amazing because he knew the Spirit of the living God was in him. As I want you to hear as we wrap this up, God loves to take ordinary people like you and me, weak, broken vessels. Yes, we are. <laughs> weak, broken vessels so that His power his glory, His plans, His redeeming work would be seen through us. We have the incredible privilege of walking with God and seeing renewal and restoration take place in this world. So I'll end with this question. 
Where is God inviting you to come? Where is He inviting you to come? Take heart, knowing that He is with you. Let's pray. Father, I I thank You for this amazing text. I thank You for this amazing story of, of Your redeeming love and grace and that You so long and desire and have chosen to use people like us in this room people like those watching this on on their own device. You use people like us for your redeeming purposes in this world. Oh, would you give us a renewed vision for that? Would you bring a clear invitation? Would you give us ears to hear it? And then strengthen our faith to follow you, the God who is with us, the God who is in us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.